This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and guess what, folks? The Pittsburgh Penguins won a freaking hockey game for the first time in almost, actually it was over a week, to be completely honest. The Pens end a four-game losing streak by defeating the Nashville Predators by a score of 3-2 to two in overtime. We're going to review that game as well as the Penguins game against the Washington Capitals because that was a big one and then we'll talk about lineup configurations because they're switching oh so much we'll talk about the fact that we've been previewing basically a Penguins Rangers first round for like two months and now it seems like it might not be a certainty we're about 50 50 in my opinion then we'll finish with the weekly Pens poll but first let's start here Mr. Horwat, how disappointed were you in the Pittsburgh Penguins' effort in the third period on Saturday against the Caps. Man, listen, I've been disappointed with this team for a long time now. I think it's for the first time this season, at least, I was legitimately mad and upset with the team as a whole. And honestly, it might be even longer than this season because, yeah, the last postseason happened, but I was mad and upset with Tristan Jari and one or two other players, not the team as a whole. Finally, it has happened for the first time in a long time. This team as a whole has pissed me off. And I'm finally... <laughs> Uh, realizing that we can't keep going easy on them, we can't. I'm no. sorry. I'm. T- I, I get it. We're playing like the whole conversation we had last week. We're playing good, but we're losing. Uh, we're gonna look better in the playoffs. Well, guess what? The team we might be playing in the playoffs, we can we cannot score against. The team that is worse than them uh, just outplayed the hell out of us, and I'm tired of giving them breaks. These are professional athletes. You you don't have to give them all the breaks in the world. They know that they're losing. They would they would see your tweet of we looked good in this loss and say that's horseshit. We lost. You know what we saw there? You know what the players saw there? A loss. Yeah. Sidney Crosby, I think he showed it on uh Sunday before we get to the Saturday game. Sidney Crosby was not yeah. letting them lose that game on Sunday. He was not in not. any shape of the word. He no. has had enough of this, and it's good to see someone finally have enough of this. Because the team does, like they, the team didn't look complacent in losing. I'll give them that. They looked like they're trying their damnedest, for the most part. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but there are just sometimes you can't take games off. You can't take shifts off, and that is when you're in the midst of a four-game losing streak. You can't do that. So for the Capitals game, you got to play the full sixty. We're back to this conversation again. We are a broken record here. Play all 60 minutes. Look good doing it. uh, And then I won't be angry with you. (laughs) I will say this for the complacency. Obviously, nobody is playing complacent. It's the National Hockey League. If you find somebody playing complacent, they will be weeded out and sent down to the AHL. But I did not like the way that, you know, Mike Sullivan was talking. I didn't like the the way that they were carrying themselves after these losses. I'm not going to delve into it too deeply. But it seemed like they were like, all right, that's fine. The grander prize is at the end of the tunnel. And we're going to get to the playoffs anyway. And that's when we'll be fine. But you just don't want to go into that with the way that they were playing. They did right to ship a little bit against the Preds on Sunday. There were some things that I still saw that are issues that they need to fix going forward with back-to-back home and homes this week against the Islanders and then against the Bruins, even though the Bruins one has a four day rest in between. But when I'm looking at this as a whole, I look at Saturday, you had a three goal first period, Russ Carter and Boyle all score. And then you had some poor goaltending. I mean, does Jari need significant rest before the playoffs or what? He needs something. That's for sure. It's uh, um, the idea of Jari playing all the time. You don't want to run into the Frederick Anderson effect where, you just ran him into the ground. But you also understand that he's going to need some sort of rest somewhere. I think the main idea is that getting DeSmith in some games is fine. He has to play some games just to rest Jari. But, oh my god, you can't put him in every game because he's not good enough. And then you can't overplay Jari. It's double-edged sword here. But I think the main component is just going to be getting Jari the proper rest, but also 
hoping he's able to right some ships himself and right some wrongs heading into the postseason. You need him to play a couple of games to build some momentum uh, and then carry that into the postseason because he's played like a house of fire this year. Tristan Jar, we've seen it, has been at one point in this season Vezna caliber level and has been able to collect a ton of wins. Um, as a matter of fact, he's been able to collect 33 to be exact. So if he's able to um, collect a couple more down the stretch, gain some momentum, he should be fine heading into the postseason. It's just a matter of playing the right ones and not overplaying him. Uh, so we'll just have to see where that goes in total. You've started to see him play the last couple of weeks a little bit worse. I mean, he's starting to, to downgrade a little bit, but at the same exact time, you still see the plays that he makes that he is the Vesna caliber guy. It seems like he is just getting tired and you're playing great competition. He has been the workhorse for this team the whole season. Luckily enough, Casey DeSmith performed well. We'll talk about that on Sunday. At this point, you can lock up a playoff spot on Tuesday. To me, honestly, and we'll talk about it in the second segment when it comes to who they're going to match up against, play him just enough to keep him warm and let him rest the rest of the way. Because the last thing you need is to have Tristan Jari, of all people on this team, to be out of gas by the time the first round comes around. Because he has something to prove, nonetheless, if he is fully ready for it. Let alone if he is still tired, or if he is gassed, or if he's just not ready for the first round. So you need him, in my opinion. It really just is, and I'm sure this is not how it's going to go. Play him to keep him warm, and that's it. Yeah, that's about it. You want this team to still... You know, look good around him too, though. So I think it's just going to be, <clears throat> like I mentioned, it's a double-edged sword with this situation, though. I mean, mm-hmm. play him to keep him warm, yes. Don't overplay him so it's so he's Freddie Anderson out of the first round, but also don't play DeSmith to, to the point of just taking Jari out of his momentum. It's going to be a hard, uh, hard line to not cross. The one issue I had... Obviously, I had many issues. Well, I shouldn't even have started there. But the biggest issue that I had in that game against the Washington Capitals was the sense of urgency for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the third period. I mean, it was talked about widely on social media. A lot of podcasts have already came out and talked about it. It was pathetic the way that they went out and played on national television against their biggest rivals in the Washington Capitals on home ice, no less. They came into that third period. It was tied, was it not? And then Tom Wilson goes right around... Chad Ruedel, and then wires one past Tristan Jari. That's a tough shot, but still, that's one Jari would like to have back. But the entire period, not just Jari, but everybody on that team, there was not enough of a sense of urgency. Crosby's just coming back from illness. I get that. Zucker's returning for the first time after missing 10 days, and he only had played one before that. I get that. Same with Marino. But you had to have a little bit more urgency, especially guys like Evgeny Malkin, Ricard Raquel, Everybody needed to have a lot more of an effort than what I saw in that third period against the Capitals. And I even went out and posted about it. I said, listen, plain and simple, the Capitals played like a team that needed to win this game for something, and the Penguins did not. And that's the end of the day. That's why you lose by a score of 6-3, to even though there was, what, three empty net goals, two empty net goals. Two. Uh, Those are the only goals I saw in that game. Uh, But... That's unfortunate. (laughs) Ah, You know, I had better things going on than watching the Penguins lose. That being said, though... The only time the Penguins seemed to be urgent and play with a sense of urgency in that third period was that power play at the end of the game, where the first, mm-hmm. where the uh, where the empty net goals came from. It finally looked like they were getting something set up. It looked like they were trying to gain some momentum on their end, but it's just too little, too late. It was like Rory and the Masters, just too little, too late. You played phenomenally yeah. at the end, but you know what? It just wasn't enough to get you there. Mm-hmm. You. You have to do better than that. You have to play, for in Rory's case, all weekend, Thursday through Sunday. In the Penguins' case, period one through period three. You gotta play the entirety of the game, and that's been the Penguins' downfall all season. It's horrifying that we're into about mid-April and we're still having this discussion. That's yeah. so not good, man. We would have hoped to have kicked this habit in January or. Uh, December, November, whenever we started talking about this. Because yeah. I think when we first talked about it, we said we're okay to ha- live in it for now, but we have that was one of the things we have to learn from and have to change and fix about ourselves if we want to have success down the stretch and into the playoffs. Well, now we're on the stretch. Let's fix it still, please. 
Show us in these last, what do we have, 10 left? Just about, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's either 10 or 9. 9 or 10. Let's show us in these last 9 or 10 games that you have that you can fix it still. I'll give you, you still have time to fix it. But the time for going oh, yeah. easy is over, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to prove to yourselves that you can win if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, let alone prove it to the rest of the league, considering you're going to face either the New York Rangers, who you've scored one even-strength goal against, or potentially, as we'll talk about in segment number two, it could be a date with the Florida Panthers, which can go one of many different ways. But let's talk about their better performance on Sunday. Now, one thing that was highlighted in Saturday's loss is the Penguins had 20-odd shots on net. They had 42 missed shot attempts, whether that be missing the net or just block shots so they're trying to get it on the problem is they're not getting it the whole way to the goaltender they're not getting it the whole way onto the net and that's a big issue because that leans to me to where they're selecting to shoot the puck from they're shooting it right into people's shin pads if not they're missing the net they need to do a much better job at getting the puck on net and getting those rebounds because that's the only way they're going to be able to create offense especially if you have to end up playing Igor Shesterkin in the first round of the playoffs right it's about Getting pucks on net. It's the simplest part yeah. of the game, man. You, People mm-hmm. use that pucks on net just as a quote, as a meme, as a joke. Well, guess what? It, it, the joke and the meme has some uh, sense of realness to it. Mm-hmm. You ha- That's exactly the point of the game. You can't score if you're not putting it on net. Because you know what? The net is not 10 feet wide. It's a 4 by 6 and you have to hit that. It's not... The goal is not to hit another player's shin pads. It's the 4 by 6 Hit the 4 by 6 step one. Step two is now putting it past the goalie into the 4 by 6 Figuring that out again, it's... We got stuff to figure out, man. And it was an issue again on Sunday, too, because you were given basically a handout by the Nashville Predators. Instead of playing UC Soros, they played Dave Riddich. So it was a battle of the backup goaltenders. Not to say that Dave Riddich is embarrassingly bad, but he is not a good goaltender. And you didn't challenge him enough. Now, the Penguins did come out with the win. It was basically the Sidney Crosby and Casey DeSmith show. But I really don't think that they put enough shots on net and challenged Dave Riddick enough for my liking, at least. They came out with the win, which is the biggest and most important thing. But at the same time, I still need to see a little bit more from this team. You absolutely do. 30 shots on goal is okay. It's not phenomenal. It's okay. Um, I think another thing about this team, though, is we got to learn to figure out how to hold on to a lead. Get one and actually sustain it to the point of we can hold, we can take a victory. Like I'm glad we won. I'm not happy we did it in overtime. Gonna be honest. I don't care that the, that the Predators giving them a point doesn't mean too much to us. It's good that we yeah. got the second one. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of the team's momentum and the team's mentality, it would have been much better to win that uh, outright. Just take the clean two and move on because the one of the biggest issues. Sure, the playing the full sixty an issue. But one of the biggest issues, especially as of recently, we saw it against Colorado both times. Uh, we, were, we saw it against Washington. We saw it We saw it against Nashville. We cannot get a lead and hold on to it. We cannot get a tie game and hold on to it. We are letting people score immediately after us or at some point soon after us far too often. We're not getting multi-goal leads. We're getting a one-goal lead. And then squandering it by letting them tie it. We're tying the game back up and then losing the lead and then losing the tie. That's not you have to gain a second goal lead here. Like when's the last time we went by multiple goals now? Yeah, I can't remember that off the top of my head. Because each game that I'm Detroit was it the Detroit game maybe? <sighs> Probably. Because each game that I mentioned yeah. here, like I said, the the, the uh, Avalanche game, the Avalanche went up. We were able to tie it, but then immediately lose it. Mm-hmm. We definitely didn't. I, can't remember too much of the second one, but I know we were not able to hold on to a lead at all. Um, same in Washington. We we go up one nothing seconds into the game. They tie it up one to one seconds into the game. Mm-hmm. How about hold on to a lead? Maybe gain a second goal there. Have some cushion. Have some uh, have a safety net because that's one thing the Penguins have been playing without since the Detroit game is without a safety net. Now they're not giving themselves that. Uh, the insurance goal or the insurance goals we're going up yeah. one and then sitting and then losing it so i'd say that's going to be our big our, our uh, issue number one is finding a way to gain a second goal lead i'll push back on one thing you said there and not because men, not because it actually doesn't 
fit with what I want. But narratively, I did like Sidney Crosby getting his 1400th point on the game-winning goal in overtime. For sure. Walking it off. But uh, I do I do th- agree with you. It would have been nice to see them win it in regulation. But the narrative and the writer in me is like, yes, Crosby walking it off, 1400th point is a goal. Again, what like every other time he hits a, a, a milestone, it's usually poetic justice and it was once again he put the team on his back yeah. on sunday opening the scoring a beautiful assist on the tying goal to jason zucker mm-hmm. and the game winning goal of course being his 1400th point so i think sid's performance is it is what sid is it is my team needs a win i'm gonna do it by my damn self if nobody else is gonna help me yeah absolutely i mean like i said it's it's okay that it was overtime to the predators because giving them a point doesn't hurt us in any way mm-hmm I just get to the momentum building and the looking to look like a better team for the first time in a long time. Uh, If that exact goal that Crosby put in in overtime happens late in the third, uh, we're looking at it the same way, though, that he basically walked it off as his 1,400th point to bring home a big win. I think, I mean, yeah, you can't make that play in a five-on-five situation. I mean... It was a broken play that was able to be put back together, but um, I don't know, man. Just this this team is it's got the right momentum. It just needs to capitalize on the right situations at the right times. And boy, oh boy, are people gonna be pissed off when Malkin doesn't get a call either? Yeah, and it's also the fact with Evgeny Malkin. You saw what happened in the last waning moments of the second period, he's going to get a call from player safety. I would not be surprised if he gets suspended for what he did there. I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't get a call either, though. That's the thing with player safety. This The conversation about players doing these things, these dirty hits, these cheap shots, these slashes, it has not turned into the conversation of what the player did was wrong. The conversation, because the player, because the Department of Player Safety has been awful for years now, the conversation has now turned into how is the department going to mess this up? How is no one going to learn from these actions? So, sure, Malkin might get a call because he has a, a history of bullshit like this. But genuinely, I'm more expecting him to not get a call because that's just the way the Department of Player Safety works. They have been dropping the ball for multiple seasons now. Um, so I don't expect much. That's just me. There's some people saying he should be suspended for the rest of the regular season. That's not going to happen. See, <laughs> there, there, there's no way that that actually happens, but I wouldn't be surprised. At the very least, he's getting fined, right? You would think. You would think. Yeah. That's all I'm going to leave it as. Because, again, this isn't the conversation anymore about what the player did. It's no longer about that. It's, it's who the player is. Not even that. It's the department not doing their job. Yeah. Like, yes, who the player is be, becomes part of the conversation as well whenever they're handing out giant uh game numbers to Nazem Kadri, Tom Wilson, Brad Marchand. Mm-hmm. But when it is Sidney Crosby suckering someone, then eh, no call. Who cares? Mm-hmm. When it is Evgeny Malkin. Well, they took care of it on the ice. They gave him a two and a four, whatever the penalty was. I had it in front of me. Yeah, it was something like that. They just gave him a four. Ah, well, guess what? The, the refs on the ice took care of it. We don't need to take a call. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, I don't know. Plus, it's, I don't it's it's a hard conversation because again it is not about what the player did anymore it is about how the department drops the ball and doesn't do their job correctly yeah so we'll obviously await that news we'll see if it comes in before we finish recording this but that's just kind of the day that i've been having but uh we'll talk about a little bit of the positives here ricard raquel three assist game really nice game for him for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jason Zucker came back into the lineup on Saturday, but he went out and got a goal on Sunday. Mike Sullivan embracing him on the uh, the, uh, the televised broadcast. It was kind of weird, but it ended up working out. Zucker ties the game in the third period. Raquel to Crosby. That ends it there. And I'll play this clip here of Mike Sullivan. But when we come back from this, basically impromptu Sully speak, I'll play this clip and then we'll talk about Zucker and Raquel and where they should possibly be playing going forward. Well, it's certainly an option, you know, that's that's for sure. And, and uh, you know, obviously they connected on a couple of important goals tonight. I thought Rack made two great plays to Sid when Sid finished on them. Uh, just great vision, great awareness, knowing where he is and, and getting him the puck. Um, 
you know, I, I do think that that potentially could be an option for us moving forward. It's a discussion that we've already had on on what what our top six is going to look like and and who's going to play with whom. But but you know, one of the reasons uh, Hexy went out and got rack for us was we felt like he was a guy that could play with either Sid or Gino, and and it just gives us it gives us that much more versatility. So. Depending on how it plays out, you know, we know Rusty can play with, with Gino, and uh, Rusty and Gino have good chemistry. So not only have they thought about it, but they've actually discussed this with the Pittsburgh Penguins, according to Mike Sullivan. And that is having Ricard Raquel play with Sid. He said that they brought him in and Hexy brought him in to play with either Sid or Gino because that's what he can do. I send back to you and submit to you the op- option, and I talked about this with Dougie yesterday after the game, should they try out Jason Zucker and Ricard Raquel and then just have Gensel and Rust play with Evgeny Malkin? You see, <clears throat> I don't hate the idea. Again, we're in the experimental portion of the season. Mm-hmm. There's something about taking Jake and Cros- ch- taking Crosby away from Jake, taking Jake away from Crosby that doesn't sit the greatest with me. But... Whatever gets the most out of uh, Zucker, I'm all for. I think Gensel has at least proven to him, proven to everyone that he's able to do this on his own if he really needed to. So whoever you put at his center, he'll succeed. We've we've seen Rust and Malkin click before. Hell, we've seen Gensel and Malkin click before. Mm-hmm. I think, and then the putting up Raquel in the first line just makes a lot of sense. I think that one should. That's the one I believe should happen anyway. Because, like I said, we've seen Rust and Malkin click before. Why not do it again? Rust is a great goal scorer. Malkin can dish, can really dish the puck whenever he really wants to. Um, putting those two together is perfectly fine. I almost prefer the first line to be Crosby, Raquel, Gensel, with the second being Malkin, Rust, and uh, Jason Zucker, just because that is, in my eyes, just is just what makes the most sense. When, Ra- when we acquired Raquel, we were discussing where does he fit in the lineup, and the easy answer was on Malkin's line. But then I was able to hit you guys with a quip that people from Anaheim were saying off the, off the jump that he's going to fit better with Crosby, or that he's going to be someone who plays well on Crosby's line. Guess what? We're going to see that now, because that's probably the fold that'll happen is Raquel got here, start on the fourth line, catching it back up to speed was placed on the second where we were all kind of expecting him to be, to start, to learn the game with Malkin, to be Malkin's winger maybe, because our first line was pretty set in stone for a long time. But then once you realize that Raquel is able to add a jump somewhere that maybe Rust couldn't, or just have a better mold with Crosby, that's the kind of situation that a lot or that a lot of Anaheim people were saying. So... Mm-hmm. Jumping Raquel to the first line doesn't shock me, and I like the idea because Cindy Crosby's a great hockey player. First of all, he can play with anybody. Okay, he can make us look yeah. good. Put me and you <laughs> on his wings. I mean, I kind of doubt that, but I'll agree. <laughs> I mean, he'd figure our game out quickly. I think he would, if we were to put me and you on his wings, I'd say something would happen somewhere eventually. Mm-hmm. Malkin, I mean, Malkin can can make other players look great. But they have to have some sort of skill. He, yeah. We've seen Evgeny Malkin not be able to pull anything out of a Sergei Plotnikov. <laughs> like, it's got to be the right type of player. And Rust and Rust, Gensel and or Zucker are perfect players for him too. So mm-hmm. I don't hate the idea of trying out Zucker and Raquel at some point this season just to give it that try. Give it the old college try as we are in experimental season. I just don't want to see Zucker up there to, to start the playoffs. That's all. I think if it works, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say Gensel and Crosby, they're, I love seeing those two. We all love seeing those two together. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. When most people and when I think about separating Crosby and Gensel, my first question is, who's hurt? Which one of them is hurt? Because that is usually the only time we see it. And I understand it is sacrilege to think otherwise that they should be split up. But let's look at it this way. It is not an indictment on Gensel and Rust and the way they've been playing because they've been great. It is more of who can Crosby get the most out of and what makes everybody better. Crosby with Zucker and Raquel makes that lineup and that top six, in my opinion, better because I think Raquel is set up for more success there. I certainly think Zucker is set up for more success right there. When I look at Evgeny Malkin and the wingers that have worked with him in seasons past, it is a Phil Kessel. 
More so, it is a James Neal. He loves the grip it and rip it type winger. Raquel can carry the puck like no other. Jason Zucker is grip it and rip it. He is a energizer rabbit, energizer bunny. But we have seen, especially last season, Zucker and Malkin didn't mix last year. And we're trying that again here. And I understand you got to give it another shot. But I really think we've always seen it. When Zucker is with Crosby, good things happen. When Raquel, Raquel is with Crosby in the very, very small sample size, he factored in on all three goals yesterday. So did Sidney Crosby. They were always on the ice together when the Penguins were successful on Sunday. It's something to try. We are an experimental season. But in my opinion, as of right now, they should be trying Zucker, Crosby, Raquel, and then let Gensel and Rust play with Evgeny Malkin. I'm sure Malkin would love that. Malkin and Rust, great with each other. Gensel, that one season that Crosby had that hernia surgery, Gensel and Malkin were working perfectly on the Penguins' top line at that point. Gensel was over a point per game, averaging, I think, what was it, 40 points in 40 games or something like that. So there is history there. I think it's a really good move, especially the fact that Sullivan, you just heard him. He said, we've talked about it. We've discussed it. He didn't say anything about Zucker, but I do think that that should also go into the determination. Yeah, it should. It's it's good they're having the discussion, too, because let's just be real. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the first line, at least, that's up to Crosby. That <laughs> will be yeah. up to Sidney Crosby. Um, I don't think he'd mind, though, because you can just tell him, hey, we'll win. Yeah, yeah I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't hate the idea either. I just uh, don't – I just the Crosby, uh, the Crosby Gensel one, it really is like they are two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. Um, just not just stapled together forever. So yeah, you hate to take them apart, but if it if it's for the best for the team, I'm sure both of them would be a okay with it because Gensel's basically Crosby Junior when it comes to off the ice. Yes, and mentality really. I mean, their brains are basically working the same exact way. But let's shift to the back end really quickly before we cut to break. Sunday, Dumo was dropped to the second pairing with John Marino. Mike Matheson raised up to the top pairing, and Mark Friedman was the healthy scratch in that one. What did you think about Brian Dumoulin being demoted to the second line? And do you think this is something that the bottom could fall out? Because we talked on Thursday about what would it take for Dumoulin to drop out of the lineup. Well, his performance on Saturday was enough to take him off of Latang's wing, which is a bigger deal than some people are making it. Yeah, it's it's a demotion, that's for sure. I think mm-hmm. hopefully it's just to get to kick him into gear. I don't know because I don't like Matheson on the first line. I'm gonna say it. I don't. That's just scary. It's horrifying. But our defense, like we discussed last episode, that our defense has become such a wild, wild west, a wild jungle of what the hell is happening here. No one's been consistent all year. It's they're they've been healthy. That's good. But they haven't had consistent play from top to bottom at all this season. There's always been... Nah, you know what? That's not totally true. Our, we have had times where our defense was really kicking ass. But there have just been points that... and They've all come recently where Dumoulin's not not uh, playing his role well enough. Pedersen's getting scratched here and there. Uh, it's so interesting. I got nothing on this defense still. It's... I, I want to believe Dumoulin getting dropped to the second line is just to lower the ice time and hopefully lower the mistakes and maybe use it as a confidence booster for whenever he is, for whenever he is on the ice to make smarter plays. Um, because something about Matheson on the first line is scary to me. I don't know what it is. I think it's because it's too very... Not that Crystal Tank's a bad defenseman, but I mean, he could be shaky at times on the back end. And Mike Matheson just uh, is, is a forward. So there's something about the first line being two offensive-minded defensemen. And then to, I mean, p- flipping it to Dumoulin Marino. I like that pairing. For all intents and purposes, I like that pairing a lot. Um, but it's but it's being made because this defense isn't able to figure it out right now. That's, again, the scary part. This team, like, We keep saying, oh, this is what the team has to figure out. We keep finding more things the team needs to figure out. But the defense itself has to figure out a way to regain its consistency from earlier this season and just get back to their game. And also, Mark Friedman, I love him in the lineup, but I don't know. I think it's only he's a situational lineup player, I'd say. You're muted. 
yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really know with Freeman. Freeman and Pedersen, that is the biggest question mark to me. What do they end up doing with that? I agree with you. I like the Dumo Marino pairing. I also, it scares me, but I do like the Mathis and Latang pairing. I think, especially for a team that is struggling offensively, that could be a very you know, fortuitous for the Penguins because we even saw Mike Matheson on Sunday. He looked fantastic jumping into the rush. He had a couple opportunities in the front of the net. He was playing really well offensively. We can never doubt his offensive ability. Defensively, it does force Latang to be a little bit more responsible. And sometimes when he's playing that way, he's playing like a Norris caliber defenseman. The bottom pairing, Ruedel has that spot. He has earned that spot. He is not going to be taken out. The question now is Pedersen or Friedman? When I look at it, obviously Pedersen has the track record. He's been in the league longer. He's had more experience. But Mark Friedman, the way that he gets under people's skin, especially coming into the playoffs, yep. is going to be very important. And the fact is, he's also not a half-bad defenseman. Let's let's not forget that. The first thing every, anyone ever says about Mark Friedman is he's a shit disturber. And he is. And that's why the Penguins signed him for two more years. But let's not forget that he is a very capable third-pairing defenseman. Let's let's remember that. Now, what I would do, and I'm not the coach, and I say this every time I say that, I'm not the coach, but what I would do, two games against the, the Islanders, pick one of them, they play those two games. Two games against the Bruins, pick one of them, they play those two games. Whoever plays better, they get the job for the rest of the regular season and in the postseason. Yeah, I don't hate that. I don't hate that, because I feel like going into the postseason, putting in Mark Freeman just because... He's going to get under your opponent's skin. That's the right time to do it. Is But you got to be smart about it. Get under, their, get under their skin early and often in the postseason, and you've got them behind. You've already taken, their, taken your opponent's mental out of the game. It seems like he gets working on that in, like, warm-ups. Oh, I love it. <laughs> love it. I want to see it in the out. playoffs, really. I don't care who's yes. out. <laughs> yeah. Especially, I mean, if you play the Rangers, you saw what happened the last time the Penguins played the Rangers. Mark Friedman, the last thing we'll see is Mark Friedman was on top of Chris Kreider with zero seconds left on the clock. Just pre two seconds previous, they're showing Igor Shostarkin doing a, a, a cross across him. Then there's all-out chaos in the next shot, and it's because of Mark Friedman. That's the chaos he brings to a playoff series, and it's in a good way because he doesn't take stupid penalties. He knew that was the end of the game. He knew he wasn't going to hurt his team any more than they were already hurt that game. So you know what he said? I'm going to get a little retribution, and if we play him in the first round, that guy in Chris Kreider is the guy I'm going to try to get off the ice at every second I can, and that's a really good thing for the Penguins if they play the Rangers because Chris Kreider has been the biggest goal scorer in blue this season. I, quite honestly, like, put put Friedman in the playoffs anyway. Who cares? Yep. Put him in Ruedel's spot. That, I mean, you, yeah, Ruedel's earned the spot, but you know what? If some, if some, Let's say Pedersen figures it out. Let's say Dumoulin figures it out. We're not taking Matheson out of this lineup. No. Nope. Take Ruedel out. Nothing against Chad. We we love Chad. But, I mean, if someone's got to go in this lineup, <laughs> we know that Pedersen has the, the NHL pedigree. We know that John Marino can figure it out if he really wanted to. I mean, it for all... We talked about Chad Rui to all season. Like, yeah, he's earned his spot in the lineup, but at the same time, he is the sixth guy. Well. <laughs> it's not solidified. No. It's just the fact that right now I do think he, he has regressed a little bit, but he's still playing better, in my opinion, than Pedersen. And I wouldn't take... I wouldn't take Ruedel out for Friedman and have Friedman and, and Pedersen. I think there's too much liability on that line. But realistically... Is his spot solidified? No, but I, I don't see a case in which I would take Ruedel out over you know, Friedman and Pedersen. No, you're right, but it just could be interesting. Also, just with the Rangers game, with the ending of that game, man, the Rangers really proved they're not thinking about us. I'm going to say it. That whole brawl that happened and they were meeting at the lines, that's on both teams there. Yeah, the Penguins are assholes too, but there's something about the Rangers not skating off the ice after a win that tells me they are worried. I don't know why. That's not a good look. When your team won the game, and you are still turning around. Rather than so, rather than handshaking your goalie, you are turning around and going to the center ice line. What are you doing? Yeah. The, o the only Ranger that had the right mindset was Igor Shosturkin that basically went over and said, you know what, let's go, and he started waving goodbye. He's like, this, what and, are we doing here? And that took him until everyone started meeting at center ice. Like, if you don't meet at center ice, everyone skates off. That's kind of how you yeah. should handle the end of a game. If there's a little fight... The guys involved get separated, celebrate yeah. the goalie, and get off the ice. Why was the entire team standing on the red line? Mm -hmm. Are you worried about something, New York? 
Well, I think that's a perfect segue, and we're going to take a quick break before we get there. But let's talk about the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins potentially meeting in the playoffs. And we'll talk about the other matchup because it's starting to quickly become a reality. That's Penn's Panthers, and we'll talk about that after the break. Hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team to win, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Corwatt, you got started on this train, so I'm just going to tee you up and, and turn you on because you were talking about are you worried, New York? Is that what your reaction was at the end of Thursday? That goes beyond standing up for your teammate, meeting the Penguins at center ice when you just crushed them three to nothing at home. So, Horwat, please continue. I, I'm very excited to hear this. What makes you think they're worried? I don't I don't know if worried is the proper word, but there's something about a team who is in the driver's seat in this series. Let's just tell it like it is. The Penguins have not played against the Rangers well. You just got shut out three to nothing. <clears throat> Something about the team that is in the driver's seat. The brawl happens. The little little scuffle happens. That'll happen at the end of games, especially like that. Especially with a guy like Mark Friedman on the ice. That's going to happen. Especially in the playoffs. But when you are in the driver's seat of a series, of a game, and of all of that, when the game is over, I mean, yeah, you, I forgot. You're the Rangers. You have to stay on the ice. Forgot about that part. You have to stay on the ice because you're a classy organization. <laughs> you have to salute yeah. the crowd. First of all, no, you don't. If the other team is standing at center ice not letting you for whatever reason, all right, then just skate off. Release the statement if you need to. Be like, hey, uh, we weren't going to. We aren't saluting you today because uh, the other team was already standing in the circle. All right, who cares? Whatever. You've won the game. Isn't that the important part here? Rangers, Ranger fans, if anybody's going to get mad that they didn't skate to center ice to salute the crowd after a win, uh, get over it. <laughs> but, like I mentioned, the fact that you were... There was a lot, I, I couldn't, you can't collect all the angles. I don't know how many people did skate to Shesterkin, because that is the one thing you do after your win, right? You immediately skate to your goalie and say, good game. You go down the line, then you skate off the ice. Unless you're a ranger, then you go to center ice, salute the crowd, then skate off the ice. I, I, there wasn't enough angles of it. I don't know how many people went to high five and handshake the goalie there. A lot of them, it seemed, started standing at center ice and barking at each other. Mark Friedman's ready to go. Mark yeah, Friedman is ready he? to go at any time of the game. The, the fat lady can be singing. There could be all zeros. He's ready to go. This game is not over to him. The fact that the that the Rangers, the team that were in the driver's seat of the game, of the series, and let's be real, if they play in the playoffs, are going to scare the shit out of me. The fact that you were not handshaking your goalie, like, the, the, get the few guys out of the scrum. Okay. Handshaking your goalie trying to get a salute and maybe and skating off the ice, you were back barking with the Penguins? What are you worried about? You are in the driver's seat. Act like it. Get off the ice. They're not acting like they're in the driver's seat here. You want to wave at you want to wave at the Penguins goodbye? Sure. Fine. Have a little fun. I love that. Mm-hmm. I would do the same thing. But just don't all the entire team stand there. Be ready to go after you just won. Act like you won. It's not that you can't play with play with an edge. Absolutely, play with an edge. The game's over. You're done playing. Now you're just showing edge. 
you know, when you just show Edge, you're showing something's up in your head there. We are in your heads. Mm-hmm. Don't know why we are. We shouldn't be. Absolutely not. We should have looked like a bunch of idiots. You know, losing 3 nothing, standing at the red line while the entire team skates off. We should have looked like idiots. But yeah. you made us look like we have something going for us. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I do like that angle. Uh, I don't think at the end of the day, if the playoffs come in, I don't think it plays a part. But you know what? We're, we like narratives on this show. And uh, you know what narrative I love? I love the fact that the Rangers could have just said, you know what? We've beaten the crap out of you. We're going to beat the crap out of you mm-hmm. again. We'll see you in the postseason. I love the Shesterkin thing. But it is interesting that they chose to, to stay on the ice like that. I think it was a little bit weird. But let's uh, transverse this conversation over to the other team that the Penguins now might line up against. And that is not the New York Rangers. That's the Florida Panthers. Due to the loss to the Washington Capitals on Saturday, the Capitals now trail by two points to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Or sorry, by four points with two games in hand. And also, they own the tiebreak with the Pittsburgh Penguins because they've won three out of the four games in this regular season. If the Penguins are caught by the Caps, they will become the bottom seed in the Eastern Conference. We'll be fighting everybody above them, and they will be matched up with the Eastern Conference first seed, which right now seems to be the Florida Panthers. How does this change your outlook on the Pittsburgh Penguins' playoff hopes? Uh, what the hell happened? What happened here? Yeah, That's kind of how I look at it. I, I don't mind Florida. I don't mind playing Florida. Sure, they're a house of fire, but um, playoff narratives die hard. Playoff narratives die very hard. Yeah. Sergey Bobrovsky has an 899 career goals against uh, yeah goals against average in the playoffs, mm-hmm. or save percentage, whatever it is. That's yeah. not good. That's not good enough, especially in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Old and old narratives die hard. The the uh, the Panthers have a hump to get over, and that is winning a round. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? I don't mind playing the play, playing the Panthers. Are they a very good team? A very scary team? Yes, absolutely. I don't want to play against playoff Hornquist whatsoever. Yeah, um, that's true. We've seen it. <laughs> there would be a lot of fun matchups in that game, we, in that series. Yeah, and, and it's fun that the first player on the second player on the Panthers that I mentioned was Hornquist and not Barkov, Huberdo. Uh, How about Claude Giroux versus Sidney Crosby? Not again! <laughs> yep. I mean, the Penguins got the better of that exchange in 2018, but this is also would be the first time in the postseason that these two teams matched up, unless I'm missing one. This will be the first series between the Panthers and the Penguins if they match up since the 1996 Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, no. It didn't go well for the Penguins that year. Yeah, because I think that's the last time That's the last time the Panthers won a round, I think. I believe I think, so. Because I remember I went back on an episode. It yeah. is. That's the last yeah. time they won a round. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, old narratives die hard. But... Um, also, Giroux's not the same player he was. He's, oh, no, he, not, not at all. Yeah, didn't he, like, just score his first goal with this team and he's been there for, like, three weeks? Something like that, but I'm not counting out Claude Giroux because he's had a hell of a season, but he's certainly not 2012 Philadelphia Flyers playoff Claude Giroux. Oh, my God, he's played 10 games and has nine assists. Okay, never mind. <laughs> 10 games. He's only scored one goal, but he also has 10 points. Two, he's got uh, over a point per game with the Panthers. Oh, boy. Uh, suddenly. Yeah. Oh, Joe Thornton's there. What the hell is this team? It is a very interesting team. Not to mention the fact that they have Bobrovsky, but last year in the playoffs, they also played Spencer Knight. So who knows? It might be Bobrovsky or it might be Spencer Knight, who played pretty well in the postseason last year. Nonetheless, it's a tall task. But in my opinion, you know, bring it on at this point. For the Pittsburgh Penguins, you're going to play somebody good in the first round no matter what. I don't care if it's the Rangers. I don't care if it's the Panthers. I don't care if it's the Hurricanes. They could still go up there and run into first place. I don't care if it's it's the Capitals that might happen. It's the fact that the Penguins need to take this attitude that this is going to be our year. We don't care who we face. And this would certainly be an interesting course to a potential Stanley Cup because you would have the Panthers and then you would have the winner of whoever's two versus three in the Atlantic which means you could face either the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Toronto Maple Leafs, or the Boston Bruins in round number two. I want to see this unconventional path to the Stanley Cup. It's not going to be easy no matter what. I really want to see Penn's Rangers because I think that would be a great first round. But if they end up with the Panthers, honestly, go out there and do your work. You have Sidney Crosby, you have Evgeny Malkin. Be the champions. If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And that's exactly what they would have to do. I'm fine either way. I don't think... Honestly, I'm not taking the Penguins as a Stanley Cup favorite no matter who they face. 
but I'm fine either way with who they match up against, and I do think that they have a chance against anybody in this league. Do the damn thing. Let's do it. You're right. <laughs> Let's do that hockey. Yeah. I, it, no matter the series, it's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. You just hope for the easiest route, and if the easiest route ends up being the Florida Panthers, so be it. Screw the easiest route. Just do it. Knock down what's in front of you. Whether that is a Panther crest or Rangers di- diagonally, knock down what's in front of you. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. We just got to make it, by though, the way. We still have to make it. Uh, the Penguins can make the playoffs, and I wanted to mention this when I brought up the Islanders previously. The Penguins will clinch a playoff spot for the 16th straight season with one win over the Islanders in their two games. We can do it. We can do it. Come on. One win there does it. If not, the magic number is three. It's, it's the Islanders in the regular season. I think we can handle this. Yeah, we... If it was postseason Islanders, we should be shaking on our boots. But it is regular season New York Islanders at UBS Arena and then at PPG Paints Arena. So nonetheless, just do the damn thing, like we always said. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll finish it off with our weekly Pens poll. One of the most lopsided polls, and we knew it was going to be that way, of the history of this show, to be completely honest. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. I've been up since 4 a.m., Horwat. Lovely. I'm getting a little delirious. But we're going to finish this show off extremely well with our pens poll welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the hockey podcast network as well as DraftKings. make sure you use promo code thpn at the DraftKings sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities our weekly pens poll lopsided to say the least who is your favorite former penguin of the sydney crosby era is anyone surprised that mark andre Fleury won this Running away. 73% of the vote. Nobody else added up to even 30%. Flurry gets 73%. Phil Kessel comes in second. He actually got a pretty good chunk of the votes at 18%. Other came ahead of Jordan Stahl. Let's just, let me say that again. Other had more votes than Jordan Stahl. 6% of the votes to other. Jordan Stahl got 3% of the vote. Horwat, were you on the flower train as everybody else was? Because this is such a wide open answer that other I expected to have to have more of a response just because you could pick anybody you didn't narrow this down at all you could pick. i did not i was just like go ahead let's see it and i and i'm fine with it um because it's just it really is hard to just pick one person you could pick jerome ginlow if you really wanted to you could pick marion hosa if you really wanted to just so wide open from the basically from the year 2005 all the way up to now if who's the last former player who'd we just trade away no one Right. You wanted to say Zach Gasserese or Dom Simone, you could have said one of them. <laughs> like you have yeah. twenty years basically of just pick a player. Oh, and the names. The names are fantastic as well. The names we could pull up. Like I didn't even answer this one just because I thought I'll think of one in the spur of the moment. I'm not able to think of one in the spur of the moment. Mm-hmm. But just you left it so wide open. I think it's really funny. What were some of the I responses did. underneath? Did we get any responses for other? We did. Allie, who always responds, and we appreciate her responding every single time, said, Carl Haglin. Obviously, I love Carl Haglin. Still have a Penguins Carl Haglin jersey hanging up in my closet there. So, good answer there from Allie. Wesley, longtime listener of the show, says, Kunitz or Bugsy? And even just there, you can see, yep, there is a wide variety. Bugsy, way back in the day in 2008, or Kunitz from basically the entire Crosby career. Uh, JT, fly guy, fly by, says, Patrick Hornfist, we just mentioned, might be facing up against him in the playoffs. JT loves Patrick Hornfist and the Caps Chirp Boys. Hockey Troll, Polly Cupcakes, and the official Caps Chirp Twitter page all jumped in. Surprise, surprise, they said Orpic, Sherry, and Haglin. No love for Justin Schultz uh, or Daniel Sprong, but uh, all ca- Capitals and former Penguins. Hear me out. Uh, um, Orpic's a, Orpic would be an acceptable answer. They're all acceptable answers. I mean, Connor Sherry, <laughs> I don't know about that. But he did score an overtime winner in the Stanley Cup, so yeah. He's got something to hang his hat on, but that, they're yeah, all acceptable much. answers. You're right. There's just such It's such a wide open, wide, wide, wide open variety of choices here. Um, Can I give you my answer? 
Yeah, go ahead, because I don't have too much my, more. My favorite former Penguin of the Sidney Crosby era. I was going to have it as Bo Bennett, but I decided, you know what, there was a bigger hero in 2013 than Bo Bennett, and that's Brian Little Man Gibbons. My favorite former Pittsburgh Penguin. I could have said Rico Fada. I could have said Sergei Plotnikov. But you know what? Brian Gibbons slash Jason Magna. I also want to throw my guy Jason with a Y Magna in there because I loved Jason Magna. I thought he was going to be, you know, Jake Gensel. But it turns out he came out as number 57. Didn't do anything to the level of Gensel. But nonetheless, all fantastic names in my opinion. Uh, don't forget, Mary. Or, uh, yep, I already, I already blew the... I already blew the Blew the, blew the surprise with my little stutter there. Sidney Crosby played with Mario Lemieux. He won an easy, easy, easy answer. Boom. Yeah, that's very true. I was surprised nobody got in there. That's why I didn't put Lemieux in there. I probably should have left Fleury out as well. Mark Recchi's in there. John LeClaire's in That whole first year is in there. Eric Christensen was phenomenal early on, especially in the shootout. I want to say Ryan Whitney, Pascal Dupuis. Jocelyn Tebow. Jocelyn Tebow. Brent Johnson with his one punch to Rick DPH. Thomas Vokun. Mm. See, now we're just getting All lost. the backup goaltenders, you know, Sebastian Caron. <laughs> um, Danny Saverin. <laughs> Danny Saverin. Oh, my Ty Conklin. I had a, Ty, Ty Conklin was great. Don't get me. Thomas Grice, speaking of backup goaltenders. He was terrible with us. He was, but now he's, you know. He's terrible half, again. He, he was half decent, but he's terrible again. But nonetheless, I mean, this is, a, this is why we do it. Even though the, the poll was basically a sham, we knew who was going to win the whole time. And it was wide open. I just brought this up because sometimes it brings up nice names like Brian Gibbons, Jocelyn Tebow, you know, no names like them and Mario Lemieux. Yeah, absolutely. I just can't think yeah. of one more uh, name that's just, just so fun. It, you would hope that also your actual answer would be someone who maybe played on a line with Crosby and did stuff with him or is the goalie. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised nobody said Max Talbot. Max Talbot's a great answer. Max Talbot is beloved in Pittsburgh. I thought somebody might have tossed that in there. But, you know, nobody also had a love for Ruslan Fedotenko or Sergei, or not Sergei Plotnikov. I already said that. Uh, wow. Rob Klinkhammer. Rob Klinkhammer. I can't remember Peter the Sikora. other name I was going to say. Yeah. There's a lot of names. Pascal Dupuis, you know, beloved. There's a lot of na- There's a lot of people that have played on the Penguins since Sidney Crosby has come into the league, you know, 17 UC Jokinen. Brandon listen, Morrow. Juicy, Brandon Morrow. Juicy J is great. Oli Mata, you know. Penguins greats, of course. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We'll be back on Thursday talking about the first game against the New York Islanders, all the results from that, and then we'll be previewing game number two of that home-and-home series. That's going to do it, though. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a fantastic week, Penguins fan. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.